0: But yeah, yo, Mrs. Kocha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I said, la- last week was, was BS, man. Ta- take us through that. Like, what, what went on there?
1: Okay, so Tuesday, everybody knows Trump and myself both got arrested the same day. I'm sure that was oh. just coincidence because, you know, everyone just gets arrested every day. For me, it was my 27th arrest, the 73rd charge I'm facing. I already beat 72 charges. And I wanted to get this to go on record. Does anybody know what the average conviction rate is in Canada?
2: No, tell us. No,
1: 62% convictions, 39% acquittals, and 1% hung juries, mistrials, etc. So, in theory, I should have over 40 convictions from my 72 charges. I have zero. So, that means either one of two things. I'm the luckiest man in human history. <laughs> or... I'm being unfairly and illegally targeted by the government for a specific reason. Now, before, that reason was, oh, I was going against public health orders. I was spreading COVID misinformation. But now, I'm not talking about COVID at all. I'm not talking about mandates. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the simple problems that face the city, like waste, the housing crisis, etc., and how I believe we can fix them. Yet I'm still being treated like a terrorist and a criminal. So people need to ask why. Why would the government be doing this? Well, the answer is obvious. They're afraid of what I'm telling people. So pay attention to what I'm saying. Because if what I'm telling people is so so scary to the government that they got to arrest me when all I'm doing is running for mayor and running a normal campaign like everybody else, all but much more efficiently i might say (laughs) but that's all i'm doing we're not going doing anything out of the ordinary we got lawn signs like everybody else we're hosting campaign events like everybody else but they're treating me like i'm some kind of freak And, and let's also take note the media will not play any of our ads we cannot advertise on the tv the radio the ttc the bus and there's a very good reason for this The same reason why the media doesn't include us in the polls. Or if they do talk about me, it'll be because I got arrested. The media, as we all know, takes government money. Now, the government says, oh, well, we don't really pay the media to produce their content. They choose whatever content they want. But the reality is they pay wage subsidies to the biggest media companies. That means the government is literally paying their employees salaries with our tax dollars but at the same time, pretending like they don't have a say in what those media co- companies yeah. do.
0: Like obviously, those media companies align with the government. Like, they have wants. no choice; otherwise, yeah, yeah. they would be bankrupt. Yeah.
1: They they cannot survive with all government money. So so, so, are,
0: so what was it last week? They planted a story on you and they just caught you. Like they did like, the same like,
1: thing that always happens. They get somebody to call the government that has a vested interest in keeping me quiet for a specific reason, usually personal interests for themselves, and they simply say that I threaten them. No proof needed. They just say I call Chris called me on the phone and threatened him. Like imagine we got off this this right now, yep. and I just called nine one one and said you threatened me, and they said what's your proof? I go oh, I don't have any proof, but I am telling you he threatened me. Imagine they would come and arrest you. Yeah, Do crazy. You that your- would never happen. But to me, it's already happened three times, four times if you include when the, you somebody said I name? beat my wife. Huh? Do you think
2: it's because of your name. Like obviously,
1: uh, it's this was a different purpose. This was mm. because I was about to expose somebody. And when someone's about to get exposed, in his mind, the best way to stop me from exposing him was, A, get me arrested and charged, and B, he knew if I was charged with death threats, now I can't talk to him. So it's pretty hard to expose well, what someone. What was the exposure? Ah, wouldn't you Can like we talk it about now? it? Of course, yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> <that. laughs> I'm not on a gag order <laughs> Well, everybody knows that the first main debate that they televised to a wonder, whopping like 5,000 viewers was at the Daily Bread Food Bank. The owner of the daily bread food bank was in contact with me because we were looking for a place to donate all the food with that we got from our barbecue we got all kinds of food so i had already made a donation to the daily bread food bank in a, in a cash donation the day of the debate where they hadn't even invited me anyway and so i was talking to the ceo his name's neil and he said the biggest criticism that they received after was that they only invited the candidates that everyone saw on tv and they didn't give anybody else a chance like well we can rectify that we can just throw another debate just like you threw the first one we could throw a second one and he liked the idea so we ended up planning it with a couple other candidates we even had a professional moderator become part of the zoom meeting everything was set up we started inviting the candidates and then at the last second after everything was ready to go he got back to me and said uh Sorry, our board of directors said we don't have the resources to do this, which I knew was complete BS because all the candidates had agreed to donate a certain sum, which would have made it more than viable for anybody to do this event. So they just cut it off politically. So I got upset and I sent him a text message with these exact words. I'm going to expose your corruption and bullshit. Thanks for being a piece of shit. Yeah.
0: And, and that was a threat
1: that that's what he tried to say was a threat Jeez. and then he followed that up with a uh, a voice note that I sent him in relation to that. And it was very, it was obvious, it was very derogatory. And yeah. <laughs> I, you're I don't emo- your you emotional I, in that moment, I don't, right? No, but it wasn't a threat in any way. Well. It was a joke. And the cops even told him that's not a threat either. It was, but it was derogatory at a sexual comment that I made towards him. Like, obviously, it was a roasting comment. Yeah. <laughs> so they, but the police said that's not a threat either. So then at that point, he didn't really know what to do. And he said, ah. well, he called me after that and said he was going to cut my head off. This is apparently, I'm just alleging this. This is what he apparently said. Everything's allegedly, right? Well, this is allegedly what he (laughs) said. I said allegedly. There you go. You really (laughs) want to get technical. He allegedly said that I allegedly said that I was going to cut his head off and he's dead when I see him. A far cry from the actual proof he had that said, I'm going to expose your corruption and bullshit. Of course, he didn't have any of this as evidence. This was just his word. And based on his word, not only did they arrest me and charge me, but they wanted to make sure I got held and had to get held until I saw a judge to go to bail. Anybody else wouldn't even have been charged in these circumstances unless there was some kind of evidence. Like if the text messages I sent him said, I'm going to kill you, motherfucker, then they they would have grounds to arrest me. And I wouldn't be able to say anything about it. But in this case, it didn't say that. So they shouldn't have arrested me, and if they even wanted to arrest me at the very least, worst, I should have got a promise to appear, sign a paperwork saying, I'm not going to talk to this this guy, and that's it. But no, they arrested me, and they kept me from 5.30 in the morning when I held myself, uh, set, uh, sorry, when I surrendered myself, to 9 o'clock at night. And I had made bail at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And so I was ready to go at that point, had the paperwork, and they just kept telling me, sorry, uh, we're not letting anyone go right now and they yeah. kept me there for an additional nine hours with the bonus they've done some weird things to me in jail I'm not gonna lie they've put me in uh what they, called, at all? They, they always put me in solitary that's standard operating procedure especially during COVID because I won't wear a mask yeah. won't take a jab won't take a test so they literally just keep me in solitary confinement so that means I didn't have a cellmate and if I was on a range where there was other people which was virtually every time they would get to go out of their cell twice a day for an hour and fifteen minutes each time. You could yep. go to the gym, go to the library, go to the cafeteria, talk to each other, watch TV, whatever. I would only get out for ten minutes every twenty four hours Damn. by myself just to use a phone, and that was it. I couldn't do anything.
2: How's that what? How's that, how has that affected you?
1: That's it. It makes jail a lot worse than it than it has to be, and jail's already the worst place. And when you're in remand. Uh, like prison yeah. waiting for your bail you only get fed twice a day so you're in there and you only get the two meals and they would even did uh, most of the time they would get rid of my hot water so i couldn't make coffee and i couldn't even really wash myself because i wouldn't have access to the showers and i had no hot water that's what the, 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 they would do every time other times they would do like extra shit so uh one time they locked me in instead of just normal solitary what you would call the hole and it was literally like a toilet just covered with feces everywhere all over the place so anywhere you sat you were sitting in feces and then they instead of having the window on the door they put a picture of me on the door so the only thing i could see was myself and they kept me in there and i ended up getting a nasty i had a tiny little cut on my on my thumb and i ended up getting a nasty infection that time but this time they did some cruel and unusual punishment that i wasn't expecting that the kind of stuff you see in movies that you laugh at. But when it happens to you, <laughs> you won't like, be laughing. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? Well, they put a mentally ill guy in the cell next to me. So he's in his own cell, but literally right next to me. And for the entire time, they kept me uh, after I was ready to go from my bail. To myself, by the way. I got bailed to myself. That's how ridiculous these charges are. Uh, this guy just sang on the oh. top of his lungs as off key as possible (laughs) but for nine hours straight and I'm saying everything from 50 cent to Celine Dion heart will go on (laughs) and back again so when you're already locked in a friggin cage and all you want to do is chill relax and try to get some sleep on a cold concrete slab with no pillow or no nothing and all you hear is like a screeching on the nails on the chalkboard in your ear. There was other inmates that were crying. They were freaking out. They couldn't take it. At one point, I had to just start hitting the door for like 30 minutes straight, hoping the guy would stop. He wouldn't stop. The guards didn't care. And then finally, I got out at 9 o'clock. So they kept me just under twenty, uh, the under the 24-hour limit that mm-hmm. they had. But we all know why they did it. They trying to slander me. They try to make people scared to vote for me. I had people be like, uh, I don't want a lawn sign anymore. I'm afraid of reprisals from my neighbors because you got arrested for the 27th time. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Like, yeah. How many How many times do I have to get arrested and off the charges before people call me a criminal? And how come people call someone a criminal when you have no criminal record?
0: Do you think that makes a big dent in your run? For no, hair?
1: to be honest, I think it works in my favor because all the people that weren't going to vote for me anyway like the classic hardcore left NDP Olivia Chow supporter, no matter what I do, I was never going to vote for me. So they're not going to be swayed by that. And then my supporters on the other side aren't going to be swayed by that. In fact, they're going to be galvanized by it. And then the people that are on the fence at this point, they're going to ask the question that I asked at the beginning. He's not talking about COVID. He's not telling people not to wear masks or not to take a jab. He's telling people how he's going to fix the housing crisis. So why the hell are you throwing this guy in jail? Even the normal people that were never on my side, the TV watchers, the people that were compliant with the mask and the jab and everything else, they're questioning now. And if they listen to what I say and they hear my platform, I don't know. Have you watched any of the debates I've been in?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I've been in three debates. They haven't televised any of them. But in my three debates, I've debated over 20 separate mayoral candidates out of the hundred. So to my knowledge, I've debated more candidates than anybody else, including Josh Matlow and Mitzi Hunter in one of my debates. And I think anybody would agree that I was the clear winner in every debate I had. And I had some answers there that just, this, just the clips of the answers are getting hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views, which is far more than the so-called uh, top people debates we're getting. Yeah. And did you see Olivia Chow's grand opening, by the way? Personally, I haven't. Okay, so she has this little tiny office. Uh, on the near the Danforth, no yard, no parking, no nothing. So, she had her big grand opening, CP24, CTV News, CBC Global, all promoting this. She had about 40 people show up. This is the supposed front runner. Now, there's me, the person who supposedly has no chance, no real support, completely blacklisted by the media. We had over 2,000 people show up to our barbecue. Wow. So, how do you explain that? yeah you and see, I, and another uh, how do you explain this have you gone to the betting websites betting? there's the one betting oh, website yeah, where you can
2: bet on like uh like uh what's it called uh the voting. It yeah exactly they used to do it with trump when trump was yes, running yes, thank yes, you yes, yes.
1: there's one betting website bet 365 and no this is not a paid ad. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, they're the only one i saw that actually put me in the running and right now my odds are showing at 50 to one and that's like, everyone's like, oh, 50 to 1, that's shitty. But when there's over 100 candidates, almost 120 candidates, I should be over 100 to 1. But I'm already showing at 50 to 1. Yeah. Now, Olivia Chow is showing a 97% chance of victory. So that should tell anybody who knows anything about gambling that she really has no chance of winning. Because do you think that they're going to let her win if all the money's bet on her? Does the house ever lose in betting? No. Ever. No. When Hillary Clinton was up against Donald Trump, it said she was a 99% chance of winning. And what happened? She lost.
2: Does it discourage you in any way like to see these numbers or even to like, who you're going against?
1: Absolutely not. Well, I see numbers that are all pointing in our favor. For instance, in the 2022 election, which was a full election, all the councillor positions and everything had to be elected. So you expect a lot more votes than a by-election where we're only voting just for the mayor. Nothing else. Well, in the... 2022 election, there was 1.6 million registered voters and 110,000 voters voted in the early voting session. Now, in this by election, there's 1.9 million registered voters or 300,000 newly registered voters on top of that. And we had 130,000 people vote in the early voting. So, normally a by election has a fraction of the total votes of the normal election. In this case, we're on pace to have more votes in the by-election than we had in the normal election. Why, though?
2: What do you think the reason is? Do you think they're it, trying to it's, stop him? It's, you? I,
1: it's either a combination of crazy interest in me mm-hmm. uh, or voter fraud on their part. And I mm-hmm. think it's going to be a combination of both. Do you think voter honest.
2: fraud, especially in Canada, is
1: something that we have to worry about? A million percent. Voter fraud happens in every country, everywhere in the world. It's just a matter of how much they can skew the results. And in a federal election... Both in the United States and Canada, it's a lot easier to rig the election because they have seats. They have the electoral college and a municipal election. There's just everybody counts all the votes so they can do things with the mail-in ballots. They can do things with the early voting and they can they can do some tricks so they can skew the results significantly. But we have an ace in the hole that nobody talks about. They're not counted in any polls and everybody just counts them out. Are you going to tell us about it? Yeah, sure. It's it. called the unregistered voter people like me that have never voted in their life. And that represents the majority of the population. People think the unregistered voters is a non-factor, but the reality is that's the largest voting block in the country. And 95% of them support me. If those people get out and vote and that's, it comprises the 18 year olds as well. Like the 18, yeah. 90, all these young kids that love me. If they get out there and vote, we can get enough votes just from the unregistered voters without getting any votes from the 1.9 million registered voters <laughs> to win this election. So imagine how many votes we can get from the registered and the unregistered. How people. can we change that, though? Like, honestly. Like they, wanna- we don't need them. All, all the, if you're an unregistered voter, all you need to do is go to the voting booth that's closest to your home address on June 26th with your piece of ID. They register you instantly on the spot and give you a voter card. 82, Chris Sakocha. Done deal. And we're done. I'll get six. If if we get the unregistered voters into the voting booth in big numbers, I can get six, 700,000 votes in this election. And John Tory won the last election with 350,000. We can make it like have a million plus votes in this entire election. How
0: confident are you that you're going to win this election?
1: I am supremely confident because every single day, the number one thing I hear from people is I've never voted and I'm going to vote for you. And it's people of all age groups, all ethnicities, uh, both genders. And today I was just driving around. I was on my way to get changed so I could go to an event. And I passed by a big intersection, Markham Road and Ellesmere, out here in Scarborough. And so many people were driving by. And there's four very visible corners. And I saw everybody sign but mine. And I realized i hadn't hit that corner yet and i keep signs in the car at all times yeah. with the mallet and everything no matter where i'm going so i was like damn it i'm late but i can't, i can't i can't see this i gotta pull over so i pulled over grabbed two of my signs to go put it on the two corners in the time it took me to drop those two signs which was maybe two and a half minutes i had at least 50 different cars 5-0 yeah. from all the different directions driving either honk yeah. wave stop take pictures video that's how much support we have. like literally just me standing in a friggin street corner for two minutes yeah. carrying a little mallet and a sign was just causing a friggin a parade of sounds in the street. It yeah. was fantastic. It's just people aren't to used to
0: like uh, I guess the mayor candidate doing that, that they're not used to representation. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know. my f- cell phone number people calling this phone. They think it's a joke that my cell phone number is on my election signs. It's in all my pamphlets. You can Google Chris Guy's cell phone number. They think it's oh no, it's just another note. No, it's this phone right here. That's why How I just calls it you. Up. Got a day? You don't even want to no, know, bro. The day that I said the, the other day, I made a call out yeah. asking for paid positions. For night sign watchers, because they have a huge campaign to tear down my signs, because that's the only form of advertising that they can't stop from me. Because I print my own signs, and we put them out. Yeah, they can't do anything about <laughs> so it. So all they can do is tear them down, right? So they were doing just that in a very massive way, hundreds and hundreds a day in some cases. So I said I was going to hire some people to watch signs. And I posted on tic- or, sorry, Twitter, Telegram, and Instagram for five minutes and took it down right away, because I already knew I had made a mistake. Because My phone started blowing up. Somebody shared it on TikTok and then 6buzz posted it. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was getting on average over 120 phone calls an hour for most of the day uh, with text messages to match. So I was getting I got something like I don't know Close to fifteen hundred phone calls on the worst day. On average, I get hundreds of That's calls. That's crazy, a day. man. Yeah. I want to ask I interact had- with hundreds of people a day. If anybody wants to know, uh, Chris,
2: I want to ask: Have you had any uh, any candidates actually reach out to you that, like, internally they're like, "I actually believe in your platform"? Kind of idea where they're not like, Just you know, I mean? the most
1: recent debate I had at one point or another. Every other candidate that was supposed to be debating me started off their talking with, "Well, I agree with Chris," <laughs> and at the end, the the candidate, the female candidate, at the end of the stage came up. And used her last time, instead of supporting herself, said that everybody should be supporting me because I'm the only one with a chance to win. So wow. I can even win over the other candidates in the debate. It was clear, it's clearly obvious that not only am I qualified with yeah. my background in private uh, development, design, planning, and building, money management, etc. But I have the passion. I have the drive. I'm the most dedicated. And I'll work the smartest. I'll fight the hardest. And I'll get the best result. And everybody understands that. There's never been a representative of the people like me.
2: Yeah. Do you see anyone that's not you that you could see take the position? Absolutely like not. No, no one, right? No.
1: I see a lot of people that I could work with that would to- work well in my and have parts in my administration. But as the, the head, of, as the leader, as someone that needs to take this city and totally transform it from what it was to what it should be, you need someone like me that's going to be able to shake things up in a big way. Cut that fat, get rid of that waste, bring down the housing prices, get the revenue we need to be able to balance our budget so we can lower our taxes, especially for our seniors and our most vulnerable people. And you're going to see Toronto's just going to turn around like almost overnight just with a few key tricks. I was listening to
0: uh, a podcast that you were on and you're explaining like a rent to own program where like yes. people like uh, students or young people can uh, basically... Do a deal with the government where you can rent to own, right? Like your property.
1: Can you explain that? I can explain it quite thoroughly. The biggest and worst enemy you have when development is the government. They are the biggest cost. They are the biggest timeline for any developer. If you're buying a house for a million bucks, for instance, 300,000, 30% of those costs is government fees and levies. The developer is probably making 70 to 100 grand on that house and he's taking all the risk he's doing all the work he's spending the years etc the government is the real problem and it's because they charge a lot of money for the process and it takes a lot of time and time to a developer is money yeah, you got to pay your salaries every week you got to pay your interest payments every week so imagine, if you will, a mayor came in that actually was a developer at one point that worked with every single municipality relevant to the Toronto mayoral campaign and worked with the zoning, development, planning, building departments, all relative to this. And we came out with a program that gave developers an incentive by streamlining the process so they could rezone, redevelop and get the building permits a lot quicker and a lot cheaper. This will translate to increased volume of units in the same amount of time that will increase availability and decrease prices in two ways, by increasing volume and by allowing them to build way faster. So already you're going to have a two step down process of housing prices. Now, in order for those developers to be able to access these wonderful incentives, they're going to have to give a percentage of these units back to the government at a hefty discount, so now the government can do their rent-to-own program for lower-income people or people that are first-time home buyers, or single-family dwelling, et cetera. And why? Because this will allow people that can't have the same down payments as people making six figures plus – living in the same buildings. So this is now going to bring integration into Toronto instead of segregation. And this is going to bring up everybody's standard of living and give everybody equal opportunity. So now a whole bunch of people that would have been perpetual renters and wouldn't really have anything investing into their future, except maybe their education at that point. even then, then, what is that really? How many people actually use their degree? Maybe 20%. But imagine while you're a student, instead of paying $1,500 a month rent, that $1,500 you guys are both paying is going into your house and you're a 50% owner, you're a 50% owner. Are you going to waste that extra $500 you made that month on partying and stuff? No, you're probably going to try to put it into your house because it's going into your future. So now we've changed the entire attitude from spending to saving and we've given people hope and we've given people a tangible asset and equity that they know they can build on and eventually pass on to their children. That, for the human psyche and for purpose and everything is fundamental it's a fundamental right now principle. it's like a
0: supply and demand issue it is 100 yeah, yeah exactly so what, what, why is the government right now like why are they not developing like what is what are all the bureaucracies you got to go through
1: because now they're more worried about climate change than anything <laughs> what people don't realize oh, this is very this. it's very scary uh, everyone heard in 2020 we were in a covet emergency yeah, yeah. i don't need to tell everybody that yeah. but what everybody didn't know that was in 2019 they quietly declared a climate change emergency. And we finally had to happen. And we've been in a climate change emergency, technically, since 2019, according to the government. And in 2022, in May, while we were still under COVID lockdown, they unleashed a new zoning bylaw. And it's all about climate change. And it's all about indu- reducing the individual carbon footprint. And that's why everything now is a 15-minute city. And if you saw some of the videos I've been posting on Instagram and other social media, I'm going around the city and we're finding these big city of Toronto rezoning uh, things. And it's showing the new bylaw, the new climate change emergency bylaw. And under the new bylaw, they're building everything 15-minute city style. So what does that mean? It means you're going to get this big building with hundreds and hundreds of residences at the top, commercial and retail at the bottom. Now, here's the problem. They want you to live upstairs, work downstairs, go to the gym in the same building, go to the Starbucks, get your groceries, virtually everything in the same building. So you never need to leave your building. So convenient. Oh, there's someone that goes to jail a lot. It sounds a lot like jail Mm -hmm. and nothing's as convenient as jail because you never have to go anywhere and Mm -hmm. everything you need is provided for you. And if you want to go somewhere, you have your car, right? Oh, no. In a 15-minute city. 75% 75% of private vehicle traffic needs to be reduced. That means three out of four people are no longer going to have a car. Well, how are they going to stop you from owning a car? Very simple. That building you're living in has 500 residences no and then hundreds of retail and commercial spaces, but it only has 200 parking for cars and 1,000 parking for bikes. <laughs> so what are you going to have, a car or a bike? answer is you're going to have a bike. bike, and that's what they want. Why do they want you in a bike rather than a car? Very simple. In a bike, you can go what? 5 10 15 kilometers in a car you can travel literally across the continent what do you think they want for you do you think they want you to have that freedom and mobility no. or do you think they want you confined to a small space like when you were on lockdown so what do you
0: have to say about uh Mr. Trudeau's uh tweet there when he said oh the all this uh the smog in the air and like the fires coming from Quebec and all that like it's the reason why we have to go against climate,
1: you know. Like, oh, maybe they. What's, what's that
0: about, man? Maybe like,
1: they shouldn't be starting all the fires. So
0: they're starting the fires. You know they're starting they're the deep- fires.
1: There's dozens and dozens of people that have already been charged with arson, which means they're starting the fires. Like, you cannot deny they're starting the fires when they have lineups of people that are being charged. Like, not just enough. That there's many people in this room. Like, bus loads of people are being charged. Think about this, guys. Think about busloads of people, of school children, but not school children of arsonists starting fires all around the country at the same time that's why when you looked at the satellite videos there's all these fires starting at the exact same time it wasn't lightning strikes at the exact in all different locations at the same time no it was people and we even saw videos of helicopters dropping the fire bombs to create these fires
0: so was this planned by the government
1: of course it's just another way for them to create chaos so they can take more control just like they did with COVID, they created an emergency out of the guise of the emergency, they took all your rights and freedoms. And they're trying to do the exact same thing with climate change, except it's more dangerous than COVID. Because COVID was always told that from day one that this is only temporary. This is only temporary. While at the same time telling you this is the new normal. This is the new normal. So obviously they lie. But with climate change, you can tell that it's never going to be temporary. Climate change, they're literally trying to reprogram people and, re-get and ch- get people to change their expectations for how they want to live their life. Like in, in their mind, you're not flying on an airplane three times a year, maybe once every five years. You're not driving a car from here to anywhere. You're going on the bus or you're taking your uh, you're taking your bike and your thing. And let's talk about that a little more, by the way. Yeah. So imagine we're not young, healthy male adults. How are we going to get uh, on our bicycle or our scooter if you're an old lady or somebody with a disability or you're 350 pounds? Or it's five months out of the year where it's actually snow on the ground and ice. Where are you going on your bike and your scooter? Answer, you're going to be on lockdown. But don't worry, everything you need is in your building. Where are you going to go if you don't have a car? Answer, you're not going nowhere. You wouldn't be able to even come here to do this interview if you didn't have a car. Would you (laughs) all be able to coordinate public transit and get all your equipment together and get here? No. Answer, you would not. So, they want you to have absolutely less freedom and less mobility. And what does it do for small business? They try to pretend that the 15 minute city is great for small business. Oh, really? Oh, really? So, every time you take a road that has car traffic on it and now you take away the ability for cars to drive on it, what do you think happens to all the small businesses that are on that street? They all closed down. It's to happen
2: to Eglinton.
1: That's L- going to happen anywhere you do that because every one of those small businesses relies on the car traffic because car traffic brings people from all the surrounding suburbs. So now your customer base is millions of people from as far as hundreds of kilometers away every single day. But as soon as that can't drive there anymore, now your customer base is the, as much as the people that could walk or bike there. And they don't even go and they don't even shop. At they your don't store leave though, right? Because, no, they don't shop at your store because they see it every day. Yeah. Only people that were shopping at your store are people coming from the suburbs and they're driving all that way just for your specific store. The people that are walking by your store every day are like, ah, oh, it's here. I don't need it.
2: Yeah, yeah. true. What's and, the timeline on this? What do you think? How long?
1: By 2030, in their books, by 2030, they want 75% of private vehicle traffic eliminated. And the other 25% doesn't mean that's for for citizens. That's supposed to be like Ubers, Amazon delivery, uh, government vehicles, taxis, etc. Yeah. They don't want anybody to have a private car. They want to have complete control over the skies, over the roads, including over what you eat. If you saw in New York, everyone's like, oh, what's the, ma- what, uh, what, what's the big deal with the mayor? The mayor of New York had the power to not only limit the amount of meat all public institutions serve because meat's bad for climate change. He also put in a new law that they're going to be tracking your grocery purchases for your carbon footprint. Because why do they want to track your carbon footprint? Like I told you. Yeah, last podcast. Remember? Once you allow them to track your carbon footprint. Now they can set baselines for what's acceptable. So now they can tell you you're using too much. And if they're telling you you're using too much, guess what? They're going to either limit you or they're going to tax you on where the other they're
2: limiting. You know, what's crazy. I remember we talked about the the carbon footprint or like at least when you buy your plane ticket. Yeah. So from the last time we talked was what, three months ago? Yeah. If you look at it now, it's almost five times
1: higher now. That's what I told you what happened. And I told you in Sweden, they're already at the point. And I just posted this yesterday or not yesterday, like three days ago. An $1,800 ticket from Sweden to Toronto and back again, over $500 of that ticket is taxes, $550. Of that, over 400 of those dollars is all carbon taxes. So 400 out of 1,800 on those tickets is carbon taxes. And it's not voluntary What other
0: countries are aligned with this agenda?
1: Virtually anyone that signed the Paris Climate Court Agreement, which is like 90 (laughs) countries out of the 200, but 90 countries that represent virtually 90% of the GDP of the world. So almost everybody.
2: Question. Do you think, like with especially the UN and now BRIC coming up, do you think that's beneficial to this situation in any way?
1: It's, it's, Not beneficial for the US dollar. The US dollar is now, people don't get this. First of all, the US dollar is what we call a fiat currency. No fiat currency has ever lasted longer than 50 years in the history of humankind without getting destroyed. That was last year for the U.S. dollar. So it's literally a zombie. It's literally the walking dead of currencies. Yeah. And the only, and that's why they created BRICS. And that's why all those countries in BRICS, and BRICS are now in like another 20 countries join BRICS. Yeah, a
2: lot, well, it was posted on Friday. I well, think they the hallmark
1: that. of BRICS is doing all your trading without U.S. dollars. Let's say that again. Without U.S. dollars, which was the world reserve currency currency that every country was forced to use. So now we have, what, dozens and dozens of countries, including the biggest economies of the world, that are going to be trading without U.S. dollars. So the inevitability is the collapse and the replacement of the U.S. dollar. They're going to try to collapse it and replace it with a digital currency, a central bank digital currency. But why the U.S. dollar still has value right now is because countries like China own billions and billions and billions of U.S. debt. So if they allowed it to collapse, they're they're allowing all the financial manipulations to go on behind the scenes to keep the U.S. dollar propped up artificially, because at at the same time that that's happening, China is spending their U.S. dollars on infrastructure, land, even in Canada, everything they can buy, because they know that those dollars are going to be worthless sooner than later in fact that's another las vegas betting site as when the u.s dollar is going to collapse really? <laughs> really? did you not see yeah, that warren... i swear i'm not making that <laughs> that's funny well money.
2: recently did you not see what warren buffett recently did where he dumped on the taiwan uh, uh so i think it's tsmc which is the se- semiconductor company yeah he dumped everything and then there was every and a, bench, uh, a bunch of investors actually recently put puts against it because they think essentially it's done So like yeah, so like I recently heard about this, and like so going back to what my question was like, do you think it's beneficial for like the U.S. dollar to actually be the no longer the reigning currency?
1: It depends who you ask. You're talking about a worldwide issue. If you ask the U.S., they're gonna say hell no. If you ask the BRICS, they're gonna say hell yes. If you ask Russia, they're gonna say hell hell yes. So who you asking? are You asking me as a Canadian? Are you asking me? Sure, and I guess like. As a Canadian, it's probably not great for us because our currency and our fate is tied to the U.S. dollar as well. They're like the bigger version of us. Yeah. So if the dollar were to collapse tomorrow, we'd get screwed too. So,
2: so no, but no, no benefit out of there's us. There's no
1: benefit America. really for anybody uh, in North America for what's going on right now, and that's the, been the plan for a while now.
0: I don't know if you saw the in the Parliament that video of um, where poliev said to trudeau he's like oh i wonder uh, why you got you had to resign as a high school teacher
1: everybody knows why trudeau had sex with an underage girl and then he had to pay the family like millions of dollars in a settlement with a gag order so he wouldn't get in trouble for and it. and
0: the girl was in high school
1: uh i i don't want to i don't want to speak out of turn here but i believe from memory when they had the affair she was like 15 or 16 and, and how he the was hell significantly is that older and he was in a position of power because he was like a teacher right yep, that's person.
2: crazy I want to ask you about? and that's
1: ridiculous because that's exactly what we're trying to stop happen today with the new curriculum which we know is idea is identical it's child grooming soji sexual orientation gender identity literally puts all teachers in that position legally where they're teaching kids as young as like seven eight nine years old about masturbation and about their genitalia and the excuses that children are having puberty earlier these days it's really gross so we should how do you my...
0: balance like i guess like um because you need i guess that population to vote for you as well right so well the
1: lgbt a... community are firmly in alignment with what i'm talking about they don't want to sexualize children why does an eight-year-old need to know about lgbt lgbt has to do with sexuality an eight-year-old doesn't understand what sexuality is when they see a transgender running around in a dress they think they're just playing dress up they don't understand that that transgender is trying to be a sexy female and trying to be provocative. They don't understand any of that. Meanwhile, if if an eight year old child goes to their parents, I wanna eat candy canes and ice cream for breakfast. You're gonna be a bad parent if you give your kid candy canes and ice cream for breakfast. But if your eight year old child says, I want puberty blockers and to chop off my penis, you're a bad parent if you don't let them have puberty blockers and chop off their penis.
0: And what's the incentive (laughs) behind that?
1: It's very simple. It makes the state the number one influence in the child's life, not the parent. Mm think about it
2: they're raising our kids they're raising not
1: only are they raising the kids the the when they turn them trans or lgbt which is exactly what they're doing the state now creates them as a special protected minority so now the state is better than their parents because the state is giving them special privileges and who is most likely to comply with the state the lgbt how many lgbt people do you know didn't take the covid jab they all took it. Hell, they all took the monkey pox jab. They all wore the mask because they trust the government. How would you not trust the government when the government is telling you you're special? You're better than everyone else. We're going to give you all these extra rights and benefits and privileges. Hell, pride is not only a month anymore. It's now pride season. Did you check the government website? Holy fuck. Pride season. Because, you know, that's the most important thing that we should be known for. The entire season, not summer, it's pride. Remember when it started with just a parade? Then it became a month. Now it's a season. And we're trying to tell you that it started with drag queens wanting to read to your kids. Now it's drag queens performing for your kids. And the next thing is going to be drag queens teaching your kids to be drag queens. Oh wait, that's already a thing. They call it drag camp for your seven-year-old. And people are still not waking up to what's going on. And I'd also like to point out, they talk about the $1.5 billion budget deficit that Toronto has and that's going to have for the next 3 years if we don't do anything about it and by the way when you ask a politician how to raise revenue they give you a, the only answers they give you is raise taxes raise fees and raise levies when you ask a businessman like me how we're going to raise revenue, the answer is I'm going to create the conditions in the city that's going to attract multi-billion dollars of private investment into our infrastructure, our housing and our transportation industries. And that's going to increase our revenues, increase our jobs, increase our GDP and improve every aspect of the city for the people and everybody coming into it. And not only will we be able to balance the budget, we will have a budget surplus, which will enable us to lower taxes but you're not going to hear any of them do anything like that. But yo, since we're
0: talking about kids, I want to ask you: Do you want kids in the future? Of course I do. And would you put them through this curriculum of school?
1: Are <laughs> you out of your frigging mind? I'm going to get rid of this curriculum before anybody's kids go through it. I guarantee you that. I want to ask you: What about Bill, bill
2: C11? Yeah, C11. They've already mm-hmm. u- they're already using, right? using it. On, our, they're already
1: using it on me. It's something that we really need to be aware. of. For people that don't know, us, the online censorship bill. It allows the government to control any content that is on Canadian servers. It actually makes social media companies responsible for policing that content, and they can actually get uh, charged and fined if they don't. So it creates very large incentive for censorship against us, which the social media companies want to do anyway. Yeah. They're just like, oh my god, the government's making us do this. <laughs> you <laughs> like, th- 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 we know that Facebook wants to control what you say. We know that they can censor conservative voices, etc. We know they try to sway elections. So it's not good. The only way around it is to get your stuff hosted on a server that's not from Canada. One of the best countries to do that in is Switzerland because they have amazing laws, not just for banking, but so, for Internet. That's where Spotify's out of. No. A or, lot of companies yeah. use their servers out of Switzerland for this express purpose that they don't want to be censored or they don't want to be attacked, etc.
0: What, um I guess, system of government around the world, because you've been traveling, you travel a lot. You travel to probably like 100 different cities, you said.
1: Over 40 countries, over 100 cities around the so world. So what
0: system of government do you respect and and you're like, okay, they're doing it right here. Or
1: align with. Well, you have to have free market capitalism. That's the only place that pe- the individual can succeed when the individual has rights, where the individual is motivation is cooperation with each other for the betterment of everybody all the other so all the other system known systems unless someone can come up with a better one obviously free market capitalism is never really free market capitalism it always gets crony eyes it always gets corrupted by the government and the more government regulation the more you have government merging with corporations the more free market capitalism slowly becomes fascism Fascism slowly becomes socialism where we are now and socialism slowly becomes communism and then everybody dies fighting back against the government it all starts all over again so it's a very it's a cycle it doesn't just happen overnight it starts as free as possible and then the government slowly makes the case for regulation and we slowly move on the way to... And what part of that cycle
0: are we at right now? We're
1: in socialism right now in Canada. Look at the amount of taxes we pay. For every dollar you make you pay about 70% of it away in taxes whether you know it or not. So that means the government is making 70% of your money for doing no work and they're using it to give to all the people that they were paying CERB to all the people that they're giving uh, $50,000 gender reassignments to etc that's where all your money and tax dollars are going and of course right into their pockets because they steal all kinds for instance what did christia freeland just do this is how dangerous the green agenda is we needed to buy new buses so they bought 363 buses if you bought the normal clean diesel buses which have almost no emissions and superb reliability and longevity you would have spent around 150 million already expensive she opted for the green electric buses almost 800 million dollars and after 5 years you got to replace the $60,000 battery in all 350 of those oh shit so you do the math of what how much yeah. she just wasted almost a billion dollars on green agenda and that's just one tiny example from the federal government so when i go through all the different departments of the municipal budget there are billions of dollars allocated to garbage like that that can be taken away and repurposed to things that will actually help the communities, actually help the people in those communities. We're going to put people's and families first, while the government's been putting themselves first. That's the biggest. That's the biggest difference. Between Is the me government and the doing
2: anything right? You think, in your eyes, anyway?
1: Oh yeah, they're giving themselves a lot more money and a lot more power. If you're looking at it from the perspective of the government, they're doing everything. What right. about for us, though? For people, they're doing everything wrong, and the people know that. That's why. Why do you think the largest voting majority are the people that aren't registered and aren't voting because they look at the candidates and say, why the hell would I get off my couch and vote for this person? They're not going to make my life any better. So I'm going to waste my time. Or in fact, I'm going to be aiding and abetting a criminal. That's how most people think. Cause that's the logical way to think. Why am I going to vote for evil? And everybody else says, Oh, if you don't vote, you don't have a, you don't have a, you, you can't complain. Meanwhile, they also acknowledge that all the candidates are hand-selected and every candidate is evil. So they're just trying to vote for their lessest of evil. How can you vote for evil, actively support evil, and then when evil does evil, as you know evil's going to do, you act surprised and you act like you got taken advantage of? No. They look at you and they tell you, hey, I'm evil. Olivia Chow already told you on TV, I'm going to raise your taxes. Now people are going to vote for her and then... She raised the taxes. Everyone's going to complain. It's like, but she literally just told you on yeah. TV that she's going to do that. And
0: Olivia Chow's the front runner right yeah, now. Yeah, sure
1: she is. So, what, so, <laughs>
2: so, yeah, even too, right? Because she's at the top of the poll, as you said. Alleged, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, right? But
1: how do they do those polls? Who do they ask?
2: The government. Right? They, well,
1: who does the government ask? How do, they say random. You don't think they know who they're asking, which voting sector mm. they're asking, which streets, etc.? Of course they do. They know exactly who they're asking, and they can hand select it to make sure they get whatever results they want. And and it's pretty easy to make sure I uh, I don't do well in the poll. You just simply don't include me in it.
2: <laughs> question: Do you think even if you did win by numbers, you think not? Oh, if when I no, win, no. So then this by is kind numbers, of, I'm yeah. gonna win by a lot of so numbers. So well, this is my question. Let's say you actually do win by numbers. Do you think they would actually orchestrate it where you don't win, where even if your numbers run correctly, more than
1: likely is I win and they try to kill me. That's probably more likely because I think we're going to get so many votes. They're literally not going to be able to keep the lid on this. They're already scrambling as it is. Why do you think they arrested me? You think they wanted to give me that publicity? Hell no. That was the worst thing they could have did for themselves. They were desperate. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and they're getting more desperate every day, and they're getting less options every day, and the picture is becoming clearer every day who the real front runner is. Why do you think they don't want me in the debates? Because I would literally eviscerate those people worse than I've done to everyone else in all the other debates.
0: When you say they, who's the like they?
1: We're talking about the people they show on TV. Because if they're showing on TV, that means just like the TV itself, they're also controlled by the government, and we know that. Olivia Chow, NDP; Annabelle Lau, Liberal. Anthony Fury, conservative, and backed by the World Economic Forum. So they're all backed by one of the major political parties. And there's not supposed to be political parties in a mayoral debate. So already that shows how corrupt Mm -hmm. this is. Because they're getting money from political parties that aren't even supposed to be. Why do you think Pierre Paul ever didn't name any names when he was giving an endorsement talking about the housing market? Because he's not allowed. Meanwhile, his party is giving money to two separate candidates. Mm -hmm. So, ha ha. And that already shows you where those politicians loyalties lie it's not with the people it's with the special interests that get them elected and that's why every decision they make once elected is not for the people and people have to understand the difference between a leader and a boss get this straight they've been electing people to be their boss how can you tell the difference between a boss and a leader a boss will sit in their little cushy office on their thousands of dollar chair and bark orders at you a boss will not get on the front lines the boss or not get their hands dirty. And a boss has no problem telling you to do something they wouldn't do themselves. A leader shows Like you. putting a mask on or taking a jab or closing mm-hmm. your business or all the things they told us to do the last three years that they exempted themselves from. Why? Because they don't feel that they're on the same level as you. They're your boss. You're their slave. So they get to make the rules. You follow the rules and they don't need to follow the rules. They showed you that's their attitude. I'm not saying this. This is not an opinion. This is a fact. By doing what they did the last three years, they showed this to you. I'm a leader. I'm out there on the front lines. I'm out there at 3 a.m. hammering in my own lawn signs. Why? Because I will never ask somebody to do the things that I would not do myself. And plus, I want people to see me do that. You think Olivia Chow or Josh Matlow are going to be out there hammering their own signs? Absolutely not. You think they give out their cell phone number like I do on all my election stuff, getting thousands of phone calls a day and talking to hundreds of people a day? Absolutely not. There's a reason why. A, they don't care, number one. And B, if people did call and ask questions, they wouldn't be able to answer them because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. People say I'm not qualified because I haven't been in politics. That makes me far more qualified because I haven't been corrupted. I owe no favors. I have no special interests that back me. And I haven't been living off the public tits for the last 40 years like Olivia Chow. And my background is in business that shows I know how to be successful managing money, people, and resources, which is exactly what a mayor has to do. Meanwhile, what is Olivia Chow's background? She's an artist with an art degree, and the only job she ever had was a sculptor. And the only reason she ever got elected to anything was because her husband was one of the most famous politicians in the country. And so a sculptor became a school board trustee, which is a glorified parent-teacher meeting position. And then she got elected to the House of Commons where she literally did absolutely nothing. And now all of a sudden, she's qualified to run one of the most complex and powerful and expensive cities in North America and the largest in Canada. Give me a break. Yeah.
0: Have you spoken to her or had any communication?
1: Are you out of your mind? She was supposed (laughs) to be at the first debate. The first debate I did was at the Tropicana place. It's for the Black Community Center. Yeah. And Annabelle Lau, uh, uh, Brad Bradford, and Olivia Chow were all scheduled to be there. They all confirmed the day of. I made sure they all confirmed. And then I showed up at the last second. At 7.59 p.m., I registered for the 8 p.m. debate. Josh Matlow and Mitzi Hunter were already there, so they couldn't run away. (laughs) They entered the debate. And like Lance of the Slaughter, they did get slaughtered but uh brad bradford balau and chow did not show up even after confirming they would be there the moderator literally told the entire black community not to vote for them and guess what speaking of the black community i'm on the large i'm on the cover of the largest black newspaper in the country that's going to be going out tomorrow really the jamaican express uh the owner had never met me before he met me and doug And he thought Doug, my campaign manager, was the candidate because he's older, distinguished-looking gentleman. And then when he found out I was a candidate, he was actually intrigued, and he spoke to me for five minutes. And he said, "Well, that's a shame." I go, "What's a shame?" He's like, "Now I have to take the ex-governor general off the cover of the newspaper and put you on it." And he did. Wow! So I'm getting copies of this tomorrow, and this should the this should speak volumes because the last political figure they put on this newspaper was Rob Ford 2014 when he won the record breaking mayoral victory and he won it why because he had the normal people he had the ethnic communities all backing him all going to vote for him and that's why there's this massive campaign that chow's so far ahead she can't be touched because they want to discourage all the normal people all the blue collar workers all the people that will really benefit from this election if they vote to sit home and pretend like their vote won't matter mm-hmm. and it's going to matter more now than it ever has in their entire life i
2: want to ask you chris have you had special interests talk to
1: you like message you and like, oh you 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 have to you kidding right? of course how's
2: a conversation like that go down
1: People always come in and talk to you as a friend or as someone that wants to help your campaign, and then you find out what they want in return. <laughs> Pretty simple. Everybody, everybody always has to play their hand at some point, and so it's not hard to plot these people. And I don't pander to special interests. The only interests I care about are the interests of the people. So
2: yeah, that's good. Uh, also, another question I really want to ask is like, so with the skyrocketing rent and everything like that, what's your thoughts on how you're going to actually tackle that? The what uh rent, rent oh. skyrocketing and like i just- said
1: the way we're going to tackle that is by making houses affordable for purchase for more people and by making all these new units available some will obviously be rental properties so there's going to be much more availability that's inevitably going to bring rent down i wouldn't mind looking at the foreign buyers tax for people that are it? buying investment properties like if a guy is coming here from China and he's going to school at UFT and he buys a, and he buys a condo and he's living there, he shouldn't pay no taxes. Yeah, it makes but sense. But if there's some Chinese oligarch or Russian oligarch that needs to launder a hundred million dollars before he pays it in taxes, so he buys thirty percent of the units in a building and they're just sitting there, then that guy should be paying an exuberant amount of taxes, and that should be going to our city and helping our people. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And it would stop. It would stop uh, the foreign speculation, which is one of the reasons that. Uh, our housing costs are going up so much. The secondary reason, besides government,
0: one thing I heard is uh, your six uh, point Bitcoin system. Okay. can you explain that? Yes, kind of see what's okay. going on. So here? we
1: came. I have a. I have like a Bitcoin advisory team, and the reason we have a Bitcoin advisory team is because. And if you remember. Uh, three months ago when I was talking about this, it was still a conspiracy theory, the central bank digital currency. And now, just a few weeks ago, what did they, they announce? Announced we're bringing out a central bank digital currency. Surprise, surprise. I was right again. They're not crazy. Alex <laughs> Jones over yeah. here, eh? The
2: Canadian Alex Jones. And then so
1: we want people to understand how dangerous a central bank digital currency is and how it inevitably leads to, A, the end of cash, and A, complete government control over your entire life when combined with a digital identity. So the best model we came up with to actually get the public on board and get the public ready to combat this was I got the example from Nigeria Nigeria that nobody realizes this but about 11 percent of the Nigerian population uses crypto especially bitcoin really? for transactions one out of ten people it's crazy one of the highest amounts of crypto usage in the world so the powers that be thought this would be a great country for them to, to do the central bank digital currency because everybody already knows how to use it they'll adopt it real quick the exact opposite happened. As soon as people understand what a a Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is and understand what a central bank digital currency is, they'll never use a central bank digital coin when they can use a crypto coin that's private, anonymous and not controlled by the government. It's just common sense. So when they adopted the central bank digital currency in Nigeria, which I believe is the 12th country in the world to officially do so, uh, only one out of 300 people used it. So what did the government do to try to incentivize the use? They banned how much money you could take out in cash per week, even for businesses, to a few hundred dollars. And if you took out more, they would tax you. Between ten and twenty percent of all the money you took out to try to force you to use the central bank digital currency, so then they could then eliminate cash altogether. Like, see how easy it was for them to uh, to limit how much you could take out, or even tax you for trying to take out your own money. Yeah. Imagine you wanted to take out two hundred dollars from your bank account, and every time you did that, they were going to charge you forty bucks. You're and not this- going to do it even to like a, what I found no one carries cash anymore if you actually think about it that's right and that's no one they want, one carries they want cash. people to hate cash because they want to get rid of cash cash is anonymous and cash can't be controlled cash can't be turned off cash can't be banned, etc so they want you on the central bank digital currency at all costs. Thankfully Nigeria kind of revolted and they and they changed it so now you can still take out like fifteen thousand dollars a week or something without any taxes. But we already know what their plan is we already know the inevitability. So the moral of the story is, it starts with educating the public on how to use cryptocurrency because once they know especially how to use a, how to use Bitcoin they'll never want to use a central bank digital currency. So that's why we came up with the set the 6-point plan and number 1 point of the plan is to educate the public on how it works. The number 2 point of the plan is to foster a very strong stance against the central bank digital currency from all aspects of the public in all sectors. Number 3 is to start bringing in a municipal adoption of Bitcoin for payments. Imagine you could pay your taxes, fees, levies through the government with Bitcoin. When you could do that, people would start getting much more comfortable to use it. Step four would be to do the same thing, but now with private businesses. So imagine you go to bars and nightclubs, and now you can tip waitresses and pay your bills in Bitcoin. Why wouldn't they want to do that when Visa and all these companies are charging them like 2% of transaction? You could keep all your money, And you can report whatever you want to the government at that point because it's all anonymous. So there's lots of benefits. So you're going to have a grassroots movement of all these businesses wanting to jump on board because they're going to save money and they're going to be more versatile without their reporting to the government. So it's going to be adopted. And then the next phase would be to introduce government stakeholding options and other ways for people to invest in government crypto stuff that would enable even widespread use. And the final plan is to create the infrastructure to do this on an international level. So now we've created a system where we've basically stopped central bank digital currencies around the entire world. And countries like Ecuador are leading the charge in this. Uh, the president there has uh, got a stance pretty much exactly like mine against the central bank digital currency, teaching the public about Bitcoin. So this is a strategy that works, and it's not hard. Like even older people want to learn and we we host workshops and we have professionals that really know this uh, this realm, teach people exactly how to use it, understand it, etc. And it's not because we want everybody to use Bitcoin or anti-cash. It's because we want people to understand how dangerous a central bank digital currency is and how important cash is to maintain and retain. There you go.
0: So no. just to clarify, I guess, to the audience, like what exactly did the government announce about their, their currency?
1: Well, they want to create a central bank digital currency and they say it's going to be just for bank to bank transactions. And it's so amazing because it's instantaneous. So is a wire transfer. It's so amazing because it's convenient. It's not. It's just a way for them to get you used to the idea that every single transaction you make has to be tracked, traced, controlled, approved and completely taxed by the government when this system goes through if it went through you wouldn't even be able to sell your shoes on ebay or kajiji without the government knowing about it the government having to give you permission to do it and the government taking their cut out of it
2: yeah if, they, if they're not eating they're not they're not happy in, exactly we all
1: know how the government operates
0: so which crypto is it just bitcoin or is it we like wanted, Ethereum we're we're or? Ca,
1: we're, ca, we're this plan focuses merely on bitcoin for two reasons It's the only one that has the actual stakeholder value that's strong enough and the only one with the widespread international adoption. Now, a lot of people are going to come forward and promote their own favorite coin or privacy coin and state the reasons why it has superiority in this regard or this regard. And in a lot of cases, I agree with them. But when you weigh the situation as a whole and you need people to focus on one, Bitcoin is so much further ahead than all the others in the areas that matter most. That's why we're focusing on that. Do you think Bitcoin is going to be the way we like get out of this issue? It's not going to be the only way, but it's going to be one way by, by not just not, not by people using it, by people knowing what it is and knowing how to use it. We don't necessarily need everyone to use it. We just need to know everybody to know what it is, how to use it, how, and how, how dangerous the central bank is. So, consumers. would the end
0: goal be like the public have 50% of the power compared to the government? Because right now it seems like the government has a the lot more goal, power. The
1: end goal should be the people having far more power than the government. The whole reason the government exists is to make life good for the majority of the people. That's why government, the Constitution, for instance, was a, gu- a document designed specifically to limit the size and scope and power of the government. because yeah. well, we it, don't have that here in Canada. Right? We have a Charter of Rights, which is but basically wiping bullshit, our, no? you can wipe our ass with it. Because as we mm-hmm. saw, as soon as the government says your rights don't matter, they don't matter. All they have to do is declare an emergency. In the U.S., the Constitution doesn't allow the government to declare that kind of emergency and then run roughshod over your rights. And that's why they have a much better document than we have. And that's why everybody tries to crap on the U.S. in, uh, in pop culture, because that's the most freest and most successful country in the world. No other country has ever created the kind of GDP that the U.S. has or the kind of power and success that the U.S. has. And it's because they have that base of freedom.
2: And even, too, what, the country's only been around, like, 60, 70 years? They haven't been around that Who? long. Uh, U.S. Like, I was like, a, actually, a free country. 60, 60, the 1700s is when they became a country, But okay. <laughs>
0: okay.
2: Well, like, no, when I said that is because, like, it's from what I heard is, like, the country itself as a freedom with itself. Actually, is like, uh, going back to what you're saying, where they run how they do it. They said 60, 70 years, and that's why it's already decayed so quick. I don't know what you mean by that. you gotta gotta explain that (laughs) so like I don't know it's from a podcast so essentially it's like the issue with the US was once everything kind of settled itself out right the last 50 years they say that it actually developed itself it went really rampant they made all this money and it went really well but then now you look at the US now it's no longer where it used to be the
1: reason that all the stuff exploded the growth exploded in the last 50 years is because in the 1960s the US dollar was pegged to silver one ounce of silver was one dollar and when you had a $1 bill, it said silver certificate on it. So you could trade that $1 for uh, as a silver certificate for one ounce of silver. Then once they killed JFK and the Federal Reserve opened up and they made the new $1 bill, and it looks almost identical, but at the top, instead of saying silver certificate, it says Federal Reserve note. And on the back, they put the pyramid with the little ovo noro seclorum, which means in latin a new world order yes it's on the back of your one dollar bill now now all of a sudden your dollars were no longer attached to silver and now banks were allowed to start printing money based on the amount of gold they held as a fraction so what happened they started creating massive amounts of debt and loaning out weight a lot of money so all kinds of development happened but during that time we also had something else happen called inflation so over the last 50 years, we've seen the largest loss of purchasing power in human history. Because when that dollar was tied to the, the silver, uh, say in the 1960s, the average man made $10,000 a year. The average house cost $30,000. So a man in three years could buy an entire house with no down payment, buy the house, no mortgage, free and clear. A man could save up, buy two cars, one for him, one for his w- wife. The wife could stay home, raise the kid. The man could work his job, feed two kids, have a house paid for, have two cars paid for. That's why they called it the American dream. As soon as the Federal Reserve took over and started printing Federal Reserve notes instead of silver certificates and printing trillions of them, each dollar became worth less. And now if you look, how much is is one ounce of silver? It's over $20 US. And so you look at the price of a house. That same the same guy that was making ten grand a year in nineteen sixty to buy a house that's thirty grand is making thirty grand a year now. Congratulations, you're making triple. But how much does that house cost? That thirty thousand dollar house is, is now like six seven hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So instead of three years salary, it's like seventeen years salary. So instead of buying the house, now you're struggling to save up a down payment for a mortgage. And instead of buying a car, you're leasing a car. And now your wife has to go to work because you can't even make ends meet with all. That's what they've done to us over the last few decades. And now they realize that it's gotten to the point where the gig is up. So now they're trying to convince you that the only way we can live and survive is if every one of us gets used to a far lower standard of living. That's why they want to take away your car. That's why they want you to live in a tiny little building in like a 300-square-foot condo and never leave. That's why they want you to ride a bike even though five months out of the year you won't even be able to use it. This is what it's all about. So I hope people understand that.
0: And once you become mayor, you think that that's a, the first big move to change all this?
1: Well... The, the thing with the currency is pretty hard to change. I could, I, could, I could create the conditions to slow down the inflation, but at a municipal level, that's something you have to do at a federal level. It's very easy to do at a federal level. If I tell people how to do it on this podcast, they'll probably kill me like JFK or Lincoln because the reason those people got killed is because they went against the bankers. Lincoln didn't take a loan for the Civil War. Instead, he used the power of the U.S. Treasury to create what they called greenbacks, interest-free money. And it worked so well, he was going to expand the program, not just for the war, but to fund the entire U.S. government. So they hired someone to go and put a bullet in his head. JFK tried to stop what I just said with the silver thing. He created Executive Order 1110, which allowed silver to be legal tender again. So now people would have the choice of using a silver certificate from the U.S. Federal Reserve, which is basically toilet paper they could wipe their ass with. Or a $1 silver coin, which over time, the people would know is going to increase in value significantly. Well, their silver, their U.S. Federal Reserve note $1 bill is going make- to decrease in value. So what would you rather hold? You're going to hold the silver yeah. coins. So his bill would have eventually closed down the Federal Reserve. So what did they do? Bang, they put a fucking bullet in his head. So I'll tell you how we can do it in Canada. Please don't put a bullet in my head because I don't have the power to get it done if I wanted to. <laughs> But even a twelve-year-old girl made a video telling you this. The Bank of Canada has the power to create our money interest-free. But why don't they? they and why don't they? Because they'd rather spend as much as possible, create as much debt as possible. Because that's how all the politicians make money. Because the bankers kick them kickbacks. And the more debt that they create, and imagine how much debt they created with the pandemic. We're talking like an extra five, six, seven hundred billion in just a few years. That's like creating debt on your credit card yeah. what happens if you have a cre- an unlimited like you had american express black card but you put 500 billion on it yeah. what's gonna you're gonna have a pretty big interest payment yeah. the credit card company and the banks are gonna be very happy and you're not gonna care because you're the government you're not paying the credit card bill who's paying it Us. we are right. so what do they do they just take more money out of our pockets and that's what it's and that's what's going on there you go so now you learned about the banking systems that's yeah, so <laughs> why i always
0: love talking to you bro honestly like, like the first time it was like you know, a lot of things are exposed, but even the second time now, it's like you're always so good with your words and how you defend your stance. And like that's something that like, and, I applaud. And, and
1: people yeah. can fact check this. Tell people to search out a U.S. dollar, 1960s U.S. dollar. Look at it. It looks almost identical to the 70s the dollar, and the dollars that we have now. It's got, uh, I think it's Washington on the front. And then on the back, it had a thing. And at the top, it said silver certificate and then they changed it and they put the illuminati pyramid on the back and now it says federal reserve note and it says ovo noro seclorum which is a new, new world order. global order and that's why people are calling the new world order
0: and you just uh recently you said you were on infra Wars, right
1: yeah a couple days like on monday the day yeah. before i got the arrested 1 PM, actually- right? the 1 p.m
0: right I- I- <laughs> what was that like
1: it was great. I love going on Alex Jones. If you heard what he said, it was one of the most flattering things. He he's introduces me a lot of times as the world's leading activist. And this time after I went on a long rant on his show, he's like, Remind everybody, Chris, when did you start listening to my show? I'm like, When I was fifteen, Alex. He's like, And how old are you now? I'm like, thirty-nine, Alex. Like, see so he, he's been listening that long and he and then he followed up by saying He's ready to retire because I can articulate things better than he can. Wow. So if I have Alex do like a passing of the torch moment. That's a huge. Like, it, like, was, yeah. no, I, I, it was pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie.
0: And what kind of conversations are you guys having? Like off camera. You guys are probably going deep on <laughs> Obviously, shit. Obviously,
1: you can imagine. We just <laughs> rant and scream at each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those, those personalities
0: are probably,
2: yeah, you know about this? Da-da-da-da.
1: Yeah, Let's we talking, have some man. good talks. That's good, man. Um, he, he knows a lot. He knows a lot. People underestimate him. He's smart for sure. Well, Do look you, how long he's been in the game. How can, you can say anything you want. I've been watching him since I was fifteen. End of story. <laughs> Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. It's and like, even got to you gotta be really plugged in. That's yeah. what I mean. Or just to last that long in
2: general. Yeah. Regardless. Even too, They started doing the jar for how many times he's right. Because how many times has he been right so far? But no, that's awesome. So that's like, a big
0: compliment to you, eh? When when he yeah, compares when, you to him. Yeah.
1: When he said I was like, when I can articulate things better than him, that was a huge compliment. And I guess he's right because he, he gets a little bit... He gets, <laughs> he, he gets a little bit angry. I get angry too, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but his anger comes out more than mine.
0: <laughs> okay, one like uh, question I wanted to ask was about um, the Conservative Party leader, Paul yeah. Paliev, You know, a lot of people think that he's going to be a big like change to this country. They th- and I know that Sorry. makes you laugh. So, Sorry. like, what, why the reaction?
1: Well, he's going to be Justin Trudeau 2.0. Sorry. He's going to get elected, guaranteed. Then all of a sudden... All the things that justin trudeau has been pushing and getting criticized for he's not going to hate anymore what am i talking about digital id digital currency 15-minute cities more lockdowns if they have a, a dangerous pandemic they'll make an excuse for every single thing that justin's already done in fact in February 2021, right before Pierre-Paul Everett became the hero of the trucker convoy and the leader of the Conservative Party, while Aaron O'Toole was still the leader of the Conservative Party, Pierre-Paul was the vice chair of the Emergency Financial COVID Committee, led by the Conservatives. And they were supposed to put forth their recommendations for emergency financial measures to combat COVID. And as the vice chair of this committee, guess what his first two recommendations were? And this was February 2021, ladies and gentlemen. A digital ID and a digital currency signed off by Pierre Polyevra, The same things he now on TV criticizing Trudeau for once they found out how unpopular it was with the audience. Just like once he found out how popular the trucker convoy was, he showed up in Ottawa and claimed conservative leadership from O'Toole that way. So he was an opportunist. He's also backed by the World Economic Forum. In fact, the same man who ran Pierre Paul Everett's leadership campaign for the Conservative Party, John Baird, was a multiple attendee at Davos World Economic Forum, Switzerland, a partner with John Kerry, the climate change czar and a lot of things. And he's also a senior advisor at Eurasia Group, which is another global government think tank group. And guess what? John Baird also just endorsed Anthony Fury. And it's trying to promote Anthony Fury. So Anthony Fury is endorsed by the same World Economic Forum agenda as Pierre Polyver. So there's no there's no winning on either side of the choose. There's only one way to win. 82 Sacocha. Chris Sakocha. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm the only one. It's that simple. Yeah. That's why they're so scared of me. Because I'm the only one talking about this. None of there wouldn't even be fifteen minute cities in the conversation if it wasn't for me. Even the Toronto Star trolled us. There's a Toronto Star article. You can look it up right now. The title of the article is 15-minute cities will drastically change Torontonians' lives and should be the number one topic of this election, but nobody's going to talk about it. Wow. That's the literal headline. And I made the video right before I came down here to run that got over like 2 million views talking about how dangerous 15-minute cities are. And now they are a topic in every mayoral debate, and now people understand what they are, and now people are vehemently against them. And that's why the government doesn't like me because what do I do? I shine a light on all the things that they want to do to us and I tell people the truth of how they're actually going to impact their like, Oh, 50 Minutes City is great. It's about convenience. No, it's not. It's about slavery. And then when you explain it to people, like, holy shit, this guy's telling the truth because the government can't explain how I'm wrong. They just say, oh, don't listen to him. He's a criminal or don't listen to him. He's this. But when I say, okay, but they did listen to me. So how about you explain what's wrong about what I said? They can't do that because nothing I say is wrong. Well, I mean, damn, man. Right? When you
0: become mayor, we, we better go to a Raptors game or a Leafs game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, like, I do think you, you know you will become mayor. Like I think said. I, am like, gonna I was become talking mayor. to the, to the um, who was it, your, uh, Doug, your campaign, your, uh, campaign, campaign manager, manager, and he was confident in the numbers too. He's like, he's like we're going to win. We're going to fucking the win. The
1: amount of support we get, like I could walk into a gas station. If there's 10 people in the gas station, at least six people will come and talk to me. What does that tell you? Yeah, yeah number game. Right? And they're not talking to me like, hey, I hate you. No, they're like super excited saying they're going to vote for me. Real and people with boots on the ground. That's recognizing right. that you are. I've even seen a plethora of city workers in city vehicles, in city uniforms, like waving at me, honking at me when they see me putting out the lawn signs. Like we have support all across the spectrum. The only people that don't support us are some people that work in the government. And I said some because a lot of them do. And the very, very wealthy. Because the very, very wealthy don't like the idea of the people having the power. They like the idea of the government having all the power. Because then it's easy for them to bribe these people to get exactly what they want. So the really, really wealthy people don't like me either. They like to see people like Anthony Fury because they know he's a puppet that can be bought and can be controlled. And that's exactly what they want. Somebody that they can make do whatever they want. They don't want someone like me in power. Because they can throw money at me and I'll throw it back in their face. They can threaten me and I'll laugh at them. And they can try to make me do what they want, but it's not going to work. And that's exactly why they fear me. I love it. End it there. That's yeah, I love it. Fire. Is there anything else? I guess you want to say to
0: to like you know your, your audience? The, the conclusion and the people. is in one week. You know yeah. we're going to find out. Very very simple, week. man. Friday next for
1: Everybody week. that says they've ever supported me, for everyone that says they ever wanted something to do, get out, vote, go to the voting station nearest your house, bring your ID. They will. Validate you and register you on the spot. You can vote in five seconds. 82, Chris Sakocha. Let's give Toronto back to the people. Let's put people and families first. And when's the last day they can vote? June 26th is the only day they can vote now. June 26th. Early voting's ended. 130,000 votes were cast. I want to see at least 600,000 votes for me. I think we can get up to a million votes. That's pushing it. That's like the high end. Low end's five hundred thousand for me. If I get under five hundred thousand, I'll be very disappointed in everybody. <laughs> All right, the
0: Kocha. Honestly, brother, thank you so much for your time. And my yeah. pleasure. That was lovely conversation. Brother. Thank it's you, always. man. Yeah, that was a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks, Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, and you don't want to miss this episode. Yeah. Peace.